Welcome to the Denman Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Denman. Join me weekly to discuss topics that will help you become more self-sustainable in this ever-changing economy. Hey, welcome back to the Denman Homestead Podcast. Today, we are going to have an introductory episode on beekeeping. If I were to do a full episode on beekeeping, you would probably be here for five hours. I could talk about beekeeping for a long time. So I'm going to try to break it up. One of my upcoming episodes, hopefully my next one, I'm going to have a very longtime beekeeper. He's my mentor. He got me into beekeeping. He'll be on as an expert. So for now, we're just going to talk about an introductory into beekeeping if you're interested in maybe getting bees, keeping them in your backyard. And a lot of people don't know that you can keep them in suburban areas. You can keep them in your backyard. There's plenty of high rises in New York and big cities that have them on rooftops. So bees are resilient and they will find a way. So if you, even if you have a tiny backyard and you, and you live in a neighborhood in a suburban area, you can keep bees too. And we can talk about more of that as we go on. But before we get into beekeeping, let's talk about why we need bees. So as far as the world goes, bees are vital. They are thought to pollinate approximately 250,000 species of flowering plants. You can get that from the FDA.gov website if you want more information. But yeah, they transfer pollen from flower to flower. They are responsible for a lot of animal feed. So if bees disappear, then there's a trickle-down effect. It's not just we will lose all of our fruits and vegetables for our human consumption, but farming and ranching, it, it really has an explosive effect on how they pollinate and how important they are to the economy and to the to the world. So we need bees and we are seeing bees decline at a pretty rapid rate. And there's such a thing as a phenomenon called colony collapse disorder. And there's research going out to find out why, but we're just seeing a bunch of colonies just disappear, just gone. And it could be due to global warming, if you're into that. You could talk about pesticides, the increased use in pesticides. Could it be GMO vegetables, genetically modified vegetables, where seeds are now being produced to one and done, like soybeans. They're not able to be planted again. Seeds harvest from that plant are not able to, they're basically sterile, so they won't produce again, forcing you to buy seeds over and over and over again from the company. So, I mean, there's a couple different factors we can look at when it comes to colony collapse disorder, but it could be all of it. So bees are really important. Do we have other pollinators out there? Sure. We have butterflies, we have birds, We have the wind, there's wind pollination, but bees are vital. Bees, if we lose our bees, we are going to be in big trouble. So 
I'm passionate about beekeeping and I encourage everyone to keep bees if you can. So before you suit up in your bee suit, what do you need? What kind of things you need to do? I'll tell you what I did. I joined a lot of online groups. Facebook is a really great resource with a bunch of different groups, beekeeping groups, beekeeping for women groups, general beekeeping in your area groups. So join online groups. Join clubs. There are different clubs. If you search your city or your state, just Google where's the nearest beekeeping club and you can go to their meetings and sit down and a lot of times that's where new beekeepers find their mentors, their in-person mentors. So join a club and then I'll follow that up with find a mentor. I have a mentor. I was lucky enough that he lives right down the road from me. He is my grandfather-in-law. He keeps bees and I it's kind of funny because when I started keeping bees, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother told me that my great grandfather was a beekeeper and I had no idea. So maybe it's just in me, in my DNA. But find a mentor, someone who can come show you the ropes or that you can go and put a bee suit on and watch what they do a couple times. Buy books. I bought a pretty neat book from Barnes and Noble when I was first starting out and I learned a lot. And then, of course, you could listen to podcasts or watch YouTube. Do you have to do all of those things before you get bees? No. Do you have to have a mentor? No. I'm sure there's going to be people who disagree with me on that, but I'm the type of person where I will see it and then I'll do it myself. So whether that's a video tutorial, I'll just jump right in and get my hands dirty and learn along the way. Just realize that you are live, you're dealing with living things. So it's a little bit, it's not like baking bread where you're like, oh, I'm going to see it and I'm going to do it. But you're handling something that's a living hive. So if you feel confident in doing it yourself, go for it. But if you need all the help, then I support you in that way. And there's so many avenues to do that. So once you have that, that kind of foundation and you feel comfortable, what kind of equipment do you need? You're going to need a bee suit. Now there are some people out there. There's some pretty popular TikTok people or whoever that you may see that just handle the bees barehanded, no suit, calming voice, talking to the bees. No. Okay. Get you a bee suit. (laughs) It is, you need a bee suit. And and there's several different kinds. There's just the kind that is like a kind of like a half bee suit where it's just from like your, like a t-shirt or like a jacket, a jacket suit. And then it has like a veil on top or you have the full body bee suit where it covers your, it's like a, it's like almost like a onesie and you could zip it all the way up and it has the head veil already on it. You're going to need some gloves. And then I just wear my rain boots most of the time, but you could just wear tennis shoes too. So get your, get you a bee suit. You're going to need an empty hive box and frames And we can talk about this later, but there's several different types of beehive setups. You may have heard of like 
the flow hive or the Langstrom. There's plenty of different ones. I just use the 10 frame Langstroth hives. I think I said Langstrom earlier. It's Langstroth. 10 frame Langstroth hives. And if you just Google it, you'll see what they look like. It's your just traditional square box that's stackable. So you could start off with one deep box with a top and a, a top and a bottom, and that could be it. You could just have a deep, but pretty quickly you're going to need to add boxes on top. And they come in different, they're called supers, okay? There's a medium super or a shallow super, but your deep body is just a deep body frame, and that's where your queen is going to lay most of her brood. It's where she's going to hang out most of the time because that's where her eggs are. She can move up into the other boxes where typically the honey is stored. She can move up there and, and start laying in some of those if she runs out of room. So we can talk about how to keep her out of those with a queen excluder a little later. But just to give you some basics, you're going to need a hive box and your frames that go down into them. The frames are just what you see people pull out that's full of honey. Those are frames. You're going to need a smoker and some fuel. For me, my fuel is pine straw or pine needles, the ones that fall off your pine trees. There's also just fuel that you can buy off Amazon, their pellet form. You just put it in your smoker and light it. And the main thing is you want to make sure it's a cool smoke. It's not a super hot smoke. Pine straw does really well and it's free for me. So smoker and fuel, and then you'll just need some other little tools like they have an uncapping knife, and that's mainly for the honey, but you could get a J-hook, a bee brush, a thumb hook, beehive frame holder. A lot of these you really don't necessarily need right away. I just, and you could really even just use like a flathead screwdriver if you really needed to, but there are some really cool kits online that have everything together that you could possibly need to get started and they're pretty inexpensive for everything so check that out maybe a link in amazon you could find one i think that's where i got a lot of my stuff and even the beehives themselves you could buy full kits ready to go on amazon everything you need is on amazon it's kind of sad but the, I also buy a lot of my bee stuff from Tractor Supply. I don't know if you have a Tractor Supply near you, but maybe your garden center has a bee area. I think a lot, a lot of more people are becoming aware of needing beekeeping supplies. So check out beekeeping supplies near me. Just Google that and see if you don't want to buy from Amazon. And you need somewhere to put your hive on, something to put the really heavy hive on. I can tell you a mature hive, you can harvest up to like 250 pounds of honey. So keep that in mind when you're making your stand for your hive. It needs to be sturdy. It needs to be able to withstand windy weather. You don't want it to be where you've got this really top heavy thing and it will just push right over. What I did is I put three cinder blocks down on one end, ran some landscaping timbers through the cinder blocks, and then I put the three cinder blocks on the other end of the landscape timbers to create this like little sturdy 
like table for it. And then I set it down on top of that. So yeah, that's basically the equipment that you're going to need. And once you have all that, you then can get your bees. And you're probably wondering, great, where do I get bees? <laughs> and I'll tell you, I've done both of these things. I have bought pre-packaged bees. Like they're called a nuke. And it comes like I have a company about an hour from me that I drive to or I have driven to. And all they do is they just put together new nukes for new beekeepers or established beekeepers that just need a new hive. Maybe their existing hive, something happened to it and they want to replace it with a new hive. So there's companies out there that just raise the bees for you and then they package them up in this little box and you come pick them up, take them home, and then you put them into their hive home and you just pray that they stay. Normally they will if the queen is good and the queen stays. So fun story about that. I went and picked up my package of bees one time and they escaped the box in the car. I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but I had an hour drive home and I noticed in my back rear view mirror that there was like 30 or 40 bees that were clinging to the glass on the inside of my car. And I think I was a brand new beekeeper. This might've been my very first package of bees that I bought. And I called my husband and I'd pulled over on the side of the road and I was like, I don't know what to do. I have bees escaped in my car. Luckily, they were really chill. <laughs> I My heart was pounding the entire time, and I just drove. And what was I going to do? I couldn't do anything. I wasn't going to open my door and let them all out. I had just paid like $175 for this package of bees. So, yeah, I just got back in my car, and I was praying the whole time. And I was like, be cool. Just be cool, bees. Just be cool. And they were. We got home and uh, I was able to suit up and yeah, because I didn't bring my bee suit. I just went and picked them up because they were in a, in a box, like a duct taped box. And there was, I guess, a hole or they the tape came undone somewhere and they found a way out. Anyway, uh, maybe put them in a tote. Like if you go and pick up packaged bees, just put the bees inside of a tote and just make sure they have like air holes or something. I don't know. But so... And I've picked up boxes of bees after that, and it, it has never happened again. So I don't think that's a common occurrence. I just think something happened with that one box. So don't be scared. You're like, yeah, right, Stephanie, great. I'm not going to go pick up <laughs> box of bees. <laughs> just wear your bee suit. There you go. Just be careful. Okay, let's talk about what makes up a hive. Like, who lives in there? Ideally, it's your queen bee, your worker bees, and drones. So your queen, there's only one queen. Sometimes you'll have two, but they don't stick around for very long. We could talk about that later. You have your queen bee. She sets the tone of the hive. She has her own scent, her own pheromones. So if you look and you're like, there, you see a field of beehives and you're like, how do the bees know where to go? That was one of my like biggest questions starting out. I'm like, how can you set so many hives close together and these bees are just coming in and out, in and out, in and out, and they know exactly which home is theirs. I'd be, if I was a bee, I'd be like, there's 20 hi there's twenty homes here. Which one's mine? Well, they can smell it. They can smell their own. 
hive basically their their queen bee puts off a special pheromone that they know they belong to and that same pheromone can be an aggressive pheromone or a calm pheromone not to be confused with africanized bees that's a completely different species of bee but you can have a very aggressive queen and that would mean that the bees themselves are just angry bees. They're aggressive bees. I will tell you in my history of beekeeping, which is going on, I think like seven years now, the more aggressive bees for me have been the best producers of honey. I don't know why. I, it just, it, that is the way it is. Cause I, was kind of turned off by the fact that they were so, they'll buzz you really quick if you get near the hive. There's some hives that you can walk up to them. You can mow around them really easily. You could bump them. They're not going to come sting you. But one of my hives, if you just walk within five feet, they've got these guard bees that will buzz by you and you know that they're giving you a warning like, hey, intruder alert, get away from here. And for me, that's kind of an aggressive behavior. You're, you're, not able to really work or get around them very easily. So, and then there's super aggressive bees where they won't even warn you, they'll just pop you. And then once you're stung, again, they send out a signal to the other bees that there's harm and they've been harmed and then more bees will come and sting you. It's crazy. So... I'm not trying to scare you from beekeeping. I feel like that's probably a scary thing to say, but I'm just giving you all the information and what to what you can expect. It really is really rewarding and I want you to do it. But just know there's there are different makeups of hives. Some are gentle and some are kind of aggressive. A lot of the times when you go buy nukes from bee growers, they tend to have the more gentler species of bees. Now, I'm not going to go over all the different species of bees. There's like Russian and Carnolian and all sorts of different ones. But some of of them are more gentle and some of them tend to be more aggressive. So a lot of times the bee growers will keep the gentle, easy to keep bees. And my bee grower, I'm just going to call him a bee grower. I don't even know what their technical term is, but he's a bee grower because he grows all the bees. They have queens only. So if you lose a queen, you can just buy a queen bee and requeen your hive. Super cool. And we can talk about that later too. Right now we're just going over the basics. Let's talk about some common problems now that we've... Yeah, yeah, let's just dive into the problems (laughs) that you may experience while beekeeping. Swarming. So you get your bees home. You've had your... Or maybe you've had them forever. And they can outgrow their hive. So if you just started off with one deep and you didn't add any more boxes after a while, like you will be doing hive checks and keeping a tab on what they're looking like and if they're running out of room, if they've filled out all of their frames, you need to add another box. Let's just say you didn't add another box in time. They're gonna run out of space and they're gonna start looking for a new home and they will swarm and leave. Sometimes you can catch them again if they're hanging off of a low branch. You can try to coax them back into their old home or put them back in their box, but 
they can leave. They can just swarm. And swarming could also mean that they just did a natural split. So they half of the bees leave and half of the bees stay. Normally when that happens, a new queen is hatched and the half of the bees will leave with the new queen and half of the bees will stay with the old queen. So that is something that happens too, which is good because if you find a natural split like that and you can catch them, then you've just doubled your hives. It's kind of hard to do, hard to, because you're not sitting outside watching your hives 24-7. So sometimes you may get lucky and find that, but oftentimes they'll just, you'll go and do a check and you'll see, oh, well, this hive looks a lot smaller than it used to. Maybe they just did a, maybe they just did a natural split. Another common problem that I've actually had to deal with is robbing. Other bees, especially when it's getting closer to like winter time, they will, bees will come and rob a weaker hive. May not even be a weak hive, but they may just smell honey and they're going to go and what they do is one hive will scout out where another honey source is or nectar source or pollen source. And you can see it's like a fight of bees in the air. There's bees everywhere all over and almost looks like a swarm. Like they've come out of their hive and they're like getting ready to fly off. But if you'll, if you, you'll know the difference. If you look at the hive, you can see them fighting and there'll be dead bees all at the bottom and underneath the hive. And by the hive entrance, they'll be fighting one another, stinging one another. And Bees will be going in and out, in and out, in and out. And I have lost, I want to say, two hives. Well, I didn't completely lose. I lost one hive completely due to robbing. It was a small, weak hive. They were just getting established. And another hive came in and robbed all of their honey. And then they had nothing to live off of. And they died. It was really sad. It's hard to, it's hard to, once you see robbing taking place, depending on how quickly you catch it, it, it may be easier to stop it. You could throw a wet, a wet sheet on top of the hive where no one can get in or out. And it kind of deters any robbers from getting back in and they fly back home after a while. Um, there's also robbing screens that you can put at the entrance. There's different ways you can deter robbing, but if you, if they're already, if you're, if you're outside and you're, and you just walk up and you see a ton of dead bees, you can just know that the, the likelihood of them being robbed was pretty high. And if they're an established hive, they may bounce back pretty quick. I did, that was my second incident with robbing. I, I had a larger hive that was being robbed and they were able to survive and bounce back pretty quick and it was fine. So another problem is absconding and Sometimes swarming and absconding are used interchangeably, but absconding is just basically where the entire hot beehive colony leaves, leaves the bee boxes, they, the home that they're in. They just up and leave. They don't split. They take all of the honey that they have, and then they go find a new home. Swarming can mean that they do a split. Some, some bees stay, some, some bees leave, but absconding, they just up and leave. It could be because of the weather. It could be... They ran out of room, could be because of temperature, strong winds, poor ventilation, high humidity. They just are uncomfortable and they're they're leaving. And then you'll just go out there and look at the hive and no one's going in and out. And you'll open the box and they're all gone. Another common problem is pesticides. 
This is a big one. So if you have a garden or not, if you choose to use pesticides on killing grass, killing weeds in your garden, maybe your neighbor does and you don't, bees have about a three-mile radius. They can they travel up to three miles a day finding pollen and nectar. And just because you're organic or you try to have best practices for your bees doesn't mean that your neighbor does. So, And you can't really control that. And they can come back to the hive and bring that pesticide in and kill a whole hive with it. So pesticides are a big problem. You've got mites, beetles, wax moths, little little things that come into your hive that and there is a, a healthy ratio, like your bees can still survive with a couple beetles. I've opened them up and there's like tree roaches like hanging out in there and it, oh, God, I hate tree roaches. But they just coexist in there and they don't really bug one another. They can take over though. Wax moths are a big problem where they will have larvae in the wax and they'll just destroy a hive. They'll just eat through the wax and push a hive out. So that's why it's super important to do checks on your bees, just to, just to see the health and well-being of them. And there are things that you can do once you see some of those things to stop the progression of them. Other common problems, you've got pests such as like mice, wasps. Wasps are a big thing. They'll come in there and try to kill your bees. Big pests like Bears, I don't know if you live in a bear area, but if you're protecting your hive from bears, like with electric fence and things, raccoons, skunks, possums, they smell it, they want it, they'll scratch at it, try to get into it. So those are just some common problems that you may face so that you can be aware of that before you get into beekeeping. And there's so many more things that we could talk about. Pick your spot wisely. I've had to move beehives, full beehives before, and it is not a fun time. So, like, imagine if someone tried to pick up your house and move it while you're inside it. Like, I would try to escape too, probably. If it was unexpected, I wasn't planned, I would probably try to run out and save myself. So, that's what they do, you know. They And I had one beehive in my garden. I thought, oh, this will be a good idea. Put a beehive in the garden right there where my flowers are. It didn't really work out. I mean, bees will fly out about a foot and then go straight up and they will go, like I said, three miles anywhere. So putting it right inside your garden where you're trying to do vegetables and walking in and out of their path of buzzing inside their house is, it wasn't ideal. So I ended up moving it. I moved it to my chicken yard because I thought my chickens will peck the ground, keep the ground clean and clear underneath them. Well, the chickens started jumping up on the box. And then anytime I would want to go into the chicken run to clean up or do whatever I needed to do, I had to deal with the bees in there too. And then I ended up having kind of an aggressive queen inside my chicken run, and I was afraid they were going to start stinging my chickens. So I had to move it. I had to move my beehive from my chicken run. So now they're parked under two trees, and it was perfect where they are. They're under two shade trees because we're in Texas and it gets hot. I figured... This is going to be good for them. They'll have some shade in the heat of the day. And now guess what? We had a extreme cold and extreme heat, and those trees are dead. 
and they are dropping big limbs on my beehives. And so now I have to cut down these big trees that are literally touching my beehives. So now I have to move my beehive again. <laughs> so that's going to be an adventure because I really do not like to move them. It's possible. It's just a massive undertaking. So we're going to have to move those so we can cut down those trees. Maybe I'll just put them in an open field somewhere. Who knows? Yeah. So pick your spot wisely. And then just if you have extreme temperatures where you're at, floods, some of my pasture floods. So I have to be careful where I put them because I don't want them to be in a really heavy downpour. We have like a dry stream and a dry pond that will fill up pretty quickly when it does rain. So just be aware of that. And know that you're going to have to walk out there to your hive with all of your equipment. And when you start to harvest and pull out those frames, one medium super is about 60 pounds for me. So find a way that's going to be close enough to your vehicle or your house or a golf cart, or side-by-side, -side, or some sort of wheelbarrow, or something that's going to be easy enough to, not so far away and remote, that harvesting and checking every day, not every day, you're not going to check every day, but checking every week or two during the summer months is not going to be a long, hard travel for you to get to them. It's kind of a lot of planning involved whenever you have bees. So... Yeah, when we come back, I want to talk about harvesting honey, how to feed your bees. Let's talk about Africanized bees, more about the gentle species of bees. What do you need to harvest honey? We'll talk about that. We could go into further detail about colony collapse. And is there such a thing as organic honey? Because I told you, bees travel up to three miles away. Is there such a thing as organic honey. We'll talk about splitting hives and requeening, queen excluders, different size boxes, different hive box types, growing bees or hosting bees in suburban areas. We'll talk about nectar and pollen and propolis, how to catch a natural swarm. Because like I mentioned earlier, I have bought bees, but I've also caught bees in a natural swarm and taking them and, and putting them in a bee box and, and having them instead. So we'll talk about how you can catch your own natural swarm. You can actually bait bees to come to you. So we'll talk about that. What happens when you get stung? What happens when someone else gets stung on your property? What do you, what should you have ready? And talk about something called bearding, beers, <laughs> beers, Bees bearding and washboarding. How much does honey sell for? What's the shelf life of honey? Life expectancy of bees. All of them. Queen, worker, and drone. What makes up a queen? How does a queen get chosen? Virgin queens, fake queens, and laying workers. Those are things we'll talk about. And what happens when a queen dies? Sad but it happens. So yeah, we have a lot to talk about and those are just some of them in upcoming episodes that I'm excited to start and share with you. And it's not quite spring yet. So this is a perfect time for you to start getting everything together. And I hope I did not discourage you. I just want you to be aware of 
the problems first and foremost of what could go wrong so that you can be more prepared. I mean, I I can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. And it is definitely not as daunting. It's super rewarding watching them come in and out, bring in their pollen, checking it. And then the most rewarding is harvesting the honey and tasting the sweet work that they did. So thanks for stopping in again. And I look forward to the next episode with you guys on beekeeping. Take care and God bless. Mm -hmm.